Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, congratulations to your Tampa Bay Rays, the only undefeated team, that's right, in Major League Baseball. Sure, it's early. Sure, they swept the Baltimore Orioles. 162-0, baby. Hey, is there any reason to doubt it? I mean, we are, we're three games into the season. It's not like it just started a few days ago. I mean, it was 90 wins, then what, 97? I had the 40 win out of 60 the one year for COVID. 100 wins last year. Well, why not 162 this year? As John Romano said, this is really – you should just tack this on to last year's number. hundred. This should now be 103 wins. By the way, if you're the Orioles, Oof. there's no team in baseball happier that next year is going to a more even <laughs> schedule throughout and less games within your division than the Orioles with the Rays. Uh, 21 out of 22. I can't – 15 you in win. a row. 15 in a row. Think about this. In, in all of sports or – coin tosses or uh, games of blackjack. Like, pick anything that you would do 22 times. And if you're a victor, 21 out of them, it's, it, it almost is impossible to do. I don't care what you're playing, what game. what, what it, And to think that they're doing this in Major League Baseball. And here's the thing. As many, like, they won 100 games last year, and we know that they took 18 out of 19 from the Orioles. That legitimately, like that series alone, right? Just that was the difference in everybody mm-hmm. in the American League East. Everybody. Yeah, the others went like twelve and six, or eleven yeah. and seven, or eight, sure. or maybe even thirteen and six. But uh-huh. eighteen and one, and now three and zero oh this year. My goodness! And if you're Paul yeah. Fry for the Orioles, oh my god! So last year, against all of baseball, with the exception of the Rays, he gives up fourteen earned runs in forty-two and two-thirds innings. Okay, for a left-handed reliever, right. yeah, you know, it's not it's right. not great, but it's okay. Mm-hmm. Against the Rays last year, he goes four and two-thirds innings and gives up eighteen earned runs. <laughs> so what's he start this series out with? Three earned runs in an inning and a third. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, when those guys, when I, when, if I were him, when I was playing those guys, that arm would suddenly be a little sore. <laughs> There's just no way I'm going to do that. And, and, you know, you know how many innings he has to pitch to overcome just what just happened to him? Yeah, his ERA is 20.25, I believe, right now. Yeah, I mean, it will take him well past the All-Star break if he even pitches well um, to make that go away. Uh, it, was, it was quite a series for him. They got off to a great start. Of course, 2-1 to one the first game, I think it was. Um, how about this? Is Wander Franco any good? Who? 6 of 11. Who's that? 6 of Wander. <laughs> Wander Vision. 6 of 11. If you need him, um, drives in three runs, and oh by the way, a couple of web gems, like a couple of great plays. He made this one over the over the shoulder sort of backhand uh, into left field play, and then of course a diving stop. Um, this guy, and I don't know if it'll happen this year, but I you've watched a lot of baseball, Steve. You know this, and in an era where it's swing and miss, right? We are in the swing and miss era. We're in the Let's see what the exit velocity can be and launch angles and all of that, right? All the, all the sabermetrics that, that they're now uh, applying 
on both sides, right, on the mound, velocity, et cetera, spin rate. Wander Franco plays and hits the way we're used to seeing back in the day, as they say. This guy's going to win a batting title the way he bar- – as many balls as he barrels up, he's going to win a batting title if he stays healthy. And I know, you know, you can say, well, 6 for 11, he can't do that all year. No, he won't. But remember, what was it last – first of all, he only played less than what? So he played like 70 games last year, I believe, somewhere in there. 70, that's correct. 70. And, and, and so he's, he's essentially a rookie for, for all intents and purposes, but he hasn't played a full season. So this, this will be his first full season if he makes it to the end of 162 in some form or fashion. But the way he swings the bat from both sides – Switch hitter, uh, can hit to all fields, hits with power, um, doesn't get, you know, there's, there's, you know, velocity doesn't bother him, breaking balls don't bother him, and he's, and he's just getting better and better and getting to know, I mean, he's just starting. When he gets in, what's going to happen when he figures out what the league's trying to do to him? Six of 11, great start. That's what superstars do. No, he is phenomenal. Um, and, and the expectations are so high on him, and yet he comes out and does that. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I can't wait to see what this season holds for him in the next few seasons. As he, as you said, I mean, he, you know, he's going to learn how to handle things differently. And 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 granted, teams are going to pitch him differently and play him differently. But the way he can adapt and the way he swings that bat, you don't see many guys like that that can handle a bat the way he can and can and get to every pitch you throw. It won't matter when they take away the shift because this guy can hit any, hit to all fields. They're not, you know, you you can't play a shift on him simply because he'll he'll you know hit the ball down the line, go oppo on you all day long. Um, pretty good uh, decision it looks so far, and it's only one series in against the Orioles. But Josh Lowe, yeah, he can play. <laughs> he can play. I mean, you know, they make the trade for Austin Meadows, and maybe Meadows ends up becoming the American League most valuable player. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think he would have done it with the Rays because, you know, he, he was in that DH-only role. Uh, but, but this low kid, um, not, only, not only does he work every pitcher over like he's a, you know, 12-year veteran. I mean, he went 3-2 on just about everybody he saw this weekend. And uh, he also – I didn't realize how, what a good athlete he is. He could run. Mm-hmm. This dude's a long strider. He had a stand-up triple. Um, you know, can cover some ground. Obviously, he's going to play some outfield. It it looks like they know what they got in this kid. The Rays generally do. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. they hit a lot more than they miss. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, there's always a crapshoot with all this stuff. I mean, anytime you make a change or guys get called up in that. but And it's one series. They, I, I, yeah. I get and they generally hit on the timing up, too. Right, right. You know, I mean, right. there's a few like Willie Adamas they brought up who struggled – mightily when he first came up mm-hmm. they sent him back mm-hmm. down i don't know if it was a month six weeks something like that yeah and then when they brought him back up he took off you know occasionally that happens but more often than not when they call a guy up it's because he's ready you mm-hmm. know wander franco last year although he struggled a little bit at first too and you know that's going to happen uh it was really uh, you know really when they got nelson cruz it kind of settled him down and he stopped swinging and missing at that point it did, yes. And I don't know if it was just Nelson Cruz in the lineup helped that or if it was actually Nelson Cruz kind of mentoring him a little bit or maybe a lot, a combination of all of that. Um, but once Nelson Cruz got there, he stopped swinging and missing, and he was hitting yeah. everything. Yeah. Or making contact on everything. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but but when they made the trade with Austin Meadows, that meant you knew they they were confident Josh Lowe was ready, and they were going to play him mo- more often than not because you're not calling him up to sit on the bench. Nope. You know, a young guy like that needs to play, so that means they they're they're confident he's ready. Now he's got to show it and prove it, and and he's going to go through some growing pains, and there's going to be times where it's going to struggle, and that's just how baseball is, particularly over a 162 game schedule, but. It's exciting to see that you can see that right away in the first series. And, you know, I mean, Shane McClanahan pitched his way out of some trouble in the first inning uh, of his uh, Yeah, way to, way to hit the first pitch. Hit the batter <laughs> well, on your first pitch. You let everybody know you're, you're going to take charge. You don't <laughs> dig in on me because I'm just wild enough at 100 miles an hour to plunk you. Um, so I actually think that's kind of a good thing. It, it, I never listen. It's never comforting to stand up there with a guy who can throw a hundred and 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 just in the back of your mind realize that he could hit you with it. Mm-hmm. That's never comforting. So he got that out of the way early, but he worked out a, a bases loaded jam and and um, uh, he, he burned through some pitches and whatnot. But they they win the first game with a couple of sack fives, which was interesting. You know, it's a tight game, two to one game. Uh, they 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 get the big the big uh, fly ball when they need it. Uh, and then they're able to bash you, you know, they were the way they did on Sunday and score a ton of runs. Um, I also, I really, really liked, and I don't know if he can keep it up, but Corey Kluber looks so good. And it was just too bad. His pitch count got run up a little bit um, unnecessarily. And, and to be honest, he got squeezed in the last inning, I thought. He had strike three uh, one time. And he gets, he gets pulled. I'll get to this beef in a minute. I just think Kluber, for the young pitching staff they have, he is his approach and and just his stoicism out there on the mound and nothing's gonna gonna face him. Apparently, he has great work ethic and all that. Who knows if you can get this guy or want, you'll probably don't want to get him to two hundred innings. But it wasn't that long ago that he that he did pitch that. Obviously, he's had a series of injuries and things. But man, is he in control out there? And can and you know he may top out at at low nineties or something. But this dude will work you over. Um, with location, changing speeds, in and out, up and down. I mean, he's all over the strike zone. Uh, and just the art of pitching is is just evident in everything he does. Um, he looks so good. My beef is, and we talked about this before the podcast, is they had two pitchers this weekend. McClanahan, I think, was the first one, that went four and two-thirds innings, and I, they did not give up a run, I don't believe. Maybe maybe Shane did. I'm not sure. I don't believe he did. But they 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 basically – Left with a with with either a win or should have gotten the win. Um, again, Kluber did for sure. Uh, they were up four nothing, I think, when he went out. I don't. This is this is a a a two hundred year old rule or whatever. Whenever baseball started, that in order to qualify, not up to the scorekeeper, but in order to qualify for the win, which again, sabermetrics people will tell you it's not that important. I would tell you I'm getting paid by my wins. Um, you have to pitch four and two thirds innings. And I'm sorry, but if I throw four and two-thirds shutout innings and an umpire misses strike three on me one time and my pitch count is up and it's the first week of the season and it's my first start and they're trying to build up my arms because I had a short spring training and they take me out with less than 90 pitches or whatever, I don't get the win, but everybody else can throw a third of an inning or an inning the rest of the way and, and the scorekeeper gets to decide who the winning pitcher is. That rule's got to go. And I'm afraid that baseball would never do it, even though they're changing the game in ways that we've never seen before, right, with the, uh, you know, the extra innings rule and the, the ghost runner and all that stuff. Um, and that obviously changes stats and, and, and all kinds of things. 
they've got to get rid of this. We have openers now, right? We have we have all closers. We have all these different uh, eighth inning guys, you know, and all that stuff. You can't you can't mandate that a pitcher have to go five innings to give the win to him. You can if you're trying to keep salaries now. That's true. Maybe that's the raise bet. Maybe that's well, I don't think it's the Ray. I mean, baseball. <laughs> I mean, you know, look, I mean, openers are being used more often throughout baseball. Right. Uh, pitchers are going less, particularly the beginning of this season when we know pitchers' arms aren't stretched out yet. You know, you only had three weeks of spring training, essentially, or four, three weeks of games. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the pitchers' arms aren't stretched out. You know that most pitchers aren't going to go five innings to start at the early part of the season. So, yeah, it's, it's an old, antiquated rule. It should change. It won't for a while. Do you think the baseball would really does have that economic? Like, do you think there's people in baseball that go, well, you know, if we change this and the guy wins 20 games, we're going to have to pay him? I don't think that's the reason they won't change the rule, but it's mm-hmm. a nice side effect of it. Do you remember? I'm, I'm old enough to, I'm not afraid to admit this. I'm old enough to remember when the Baltimore Orioles had one, two, three, four 20 game winners on the same staff. Mm-hmm. And then, granted, Jim Palmer's a Hall of Fame pitcher. Uh, I think Mike Cuero was on that staff. Dave McNally. There's one other that I'm probably missing. You guys can call in if you want to. Or call in. You can write us in. Um, <laughs> what am I? Well, you can call me if you want to. My my home number is. Um, and and now if, if there's a 20 game winner, it's a shock, right? It seems surprising that somebody can win 20 games. Yeah, I mean, generally school. the best pitchers now are 17, 18. Yeah. But there was multiple. I mean, there used to be multiple on the same staff. Same staff, you might have a couple 20-game winners. Now that would probably never happen. But anyway, Kluber looked great. Um, they do have, some, I guess, a little bit of bad news in that uh, Ryan Yarborough, I guess, was he have some kind of injury? Uh, groin, it looks like. Okay. Um, so he's miss his start. He's going to miss. It looks like they're calling up Tommy Romero, one of their young uh, arms that they've got waiting to come up and – Make That's an impact, cool. and and you know that he's the next guy with great stuff on this team. Yeah, so That'll we're gonna get to see him early, earlier mm-hmm. than expected. I mean, you know, there was no question he was going to be up at some point this year or multiple times, but uh, didn't quite expect the first week. Yeah, but, nice of them to get off to three and zero start. Only the third time that that's happened in franchise history. If they win today against the Oakland A's, who are probably near or at the bottom of the barrel with the Baltimore Orioles, I think, this year, expected to be. Um, they could go 4-0 for the first time in franchise history. That was a surprise. Uh, I didn't know that that would be the case. but uh, It sure has seemed like the last few years, like they'll lose the opener, and they yeah. don't like win five or six in a row. That's true. But They, they were 500 over their life. This is the 25th year um, of Rays baseball that started last week, and they were 12-12 and on opening day. Okay. Well, 13 so and 12 doing, now. Now they're 13 and 12 now, yeah. So um, they have lost as many as they've won on opening day, uh, except for one. And and so, yeah, that's that that's why you don't get the 3-0 start, much less the 4-0 start. But against, look, these are the teams. And, I, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, opening day can go either way. It was a 2-1 game. Um, you want to win series. They did that. They swept the Orioles, which seems to be what they've done of late. And and now you get another team that you should you should win a series against, and that's what you want to do at home. So kind of a nice little kind of a nice little uh, entrance ramp to the season, if you will. You get you know you get out there, you, you know you stretch some arms, you you get some at bats, and you're not maybe going against the Yankees and the Red Sox, for example, who had to battle each other. 
the first first series of the year. Yeah, and and you know it's good to see. I think the Rays kind of lucked out this year, not having to face what were they going to go to? What Boston was going to be the opener? They had a, yeah, Boston. I think they're Boston, going to Boston and then Toronto. Mm-hmm. We're going to be the first two series, so instead now yeah. you get Baltimore and, and Oakland. Of course, that helps. Now you got to make those games up, and you're going to have what That's two, two five-game series in Toronto. Oh, is that what they're doing? Okay, because because you're going up there and because of Canada and all that, but it's going to be two five-game series up there. Wow, which four-game series are bad enough? Five. Oof. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pitching being yeah. burned up in one time, and then the Boston series got ended added on to the end of the season. Huh. So that's the way baseball is making it up: is they added one series on at the end of the season, the other series you're making up with games throughout the season, either double headers or extra trips in, or you know, depending on who the team was in the series. Kind of a you know, they're going to play this uh, this series against the A's, um, and I'll be out there Thursday. By the way, shameless plug uh, to cover it for the Tampa Bay Times. After that, they go to Chicago for like six days, and of course, I my my. Uh, in-laws are in Chicago. That's no secret. But um, I think it's cool as heck if you're a Rays fan, if you can make your way up to the Windy City, they play the White Sox and then the Cubs. How cool is that? That you could just kind of hang out and, you know, follow the I Rays? I wonder if I'd the players the like that. I mean. I don't know. Well, well, you don't have to unpack. I mean, you know, I mean, you're in the same hotels, maybe. It is. But, know. but you know, a week in a city sometimes can be like, okay, I've had enough. You like, think? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I know I've gone to Vegas for a week before. I love going to Vegas. Two different ballparks, though. Yeah. No, right? and granted, you know, you're Two working, and, and it's not like you're just there vacationing for a week. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know if the players like that or not. I mean, I suppose you could switch hotels. They might. They may stay in They the could. Same. One's on the south side, so they, they likely you know. probably are staying at a different hotel. I Although, mean, I, they probably most – I, I mean – I don't think most of the teams stay by the. I think in Chicago they stay downtown. You stay downtown always. Yeah. yeah. So they're may, they're probably in the same hotel. Yeah. I don't know. Well, that's the one thing when I, the brief time that I've covered baseball uh, for for the Rays or for the Tampa Bay Times, I did I did a couple series, but I did one in Baltimore. I the the greatest the, like it's good and bad, right? You're away from home a lot. Uh, obviously, if you're a baseball beat writer, which is something I couldn't fathom doing. Uh, Mark Tompkins has done it for 25 years. He's been the only Rays writer, writer we've had uh, at the Tampa Bay Times. Just remarkable that he's started his 25th season. And but yet, uh, what I noticed immediately is, you know, we're an in and out. Sometimes we're in a city 20 hours. Um, I have gone to games the morning of because they played at night, and then worked till two and got in a plane at 6 a.m. and didn't know why I got a hotel because it seemed like a total waste of money for the two hours I slept. Um, but I have done that. In baseball, the the coolest thing was I got to a hotel and it's like I can unpack my suitcase if I want to, like I can literally take out clothing, put it in a drawer. I always wondered what these drawers were for, <laughs> because they have like a whole chest of drawers and hangers and things if you want to put things away. I've never done that because I'm not in the city long enough. It just means I'd have to repack. Um, not that there's a lot that I'm bringing in the first place, but that's the one thing that I that it, it's kind of cool. Uh, knowing that you're not catching a plane the next day, you know? Uh, and so from that standpoint, it's neat. It's a grind. Don't get me wrong, but yeah, I've done yeah. that grind before and it's, uh, it, it is nice. The three game series are nice. The four game, it always felt like you stayed a day too long. One too late. And the two game series, you're like, was I even in this town? Particularly right. if it's a, you know, you play like a Tuesday night, Wednesday afternoon and gone. And you're like, Whoa, wait, was I even there? You've just described the NFL. Yeah, That's pretty much. The way the NFL pretty much. Yeah. You, 
you can you'll you'll come usually no sooner than Saturday, and they'll play on Sunday, and you're on a plane first thing Monday morning, come high, hell or high water, and sometimes you're on a plane Sunday night if you can get back. You know, mm-hmm. Charlotte's one of those cities. Atlanta's one of those cities. New Orleans can be. New Orleans sometimes, yeah, and you know the New York, the the, the bigger airports that stay open. Yeah. Um, Although not so much some... anymore because a lot of those games are prime time now with Tom Brady in town. Well, that that that. But see, this now is how you go you get, day of though. Now I get killed. Right now it's twenty hour days because now it's like, well, you don't have to be there the day before because what are you going to do, really? So now it's like, hey, um, do you mind getting up at four a.m. catching that six a.m. up to mm, Chicago or New York or wherever? And then you know the game's not till eight, so you're, you know, you'll get there by I don't know two noon. What are you gonna do? So hang out. The, the the problem with that is sometimes you get in these cities and like uh, your room's not ready till three or four, which you know you're there at ten a.m. and you're like, okay, well I can only eat lunch so long. So you might get in your room, change clothes, go to the stadium, and that's that's where you're catching that plane back at six a.m. and you're up at four, but you're not back till two because you got a night game. It doesn't work out that way. It's much better um, from the standpoint of travel, at least that they don't have primetime games, but. You can bet with the list of quarterbacks on this schedule next year, there's going to be whatever the maximum is, five. They're going to have five plus whatever they flex, which could be two. Um, so there's going to be a ton of primetime games next year for sure. And we'll get the schedule out sometime uh, end of this month probably, I would think. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We've got... uh... Boy, you uh, spent some time with the Tampa Bay Lightning over the weekend. It looks like they've turned a corner. We've said this before. They played a really good game against Boston and lost, but they followed it up with an even better game against Buffalo and won in a shutout. The moose was on the loose in net. He's uh, been Elliot. fantastic the last really six, seven, eight starts. Just R- really has. Just incredible. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, the Lightning Friday against Boston. You go 1-1 in overtime. Uh, you dominated the third period. You were dominating overtime for the most part. Got an unlucky bounce off the boards, mm-hmm. and they put that in. So you, you garnered a point there. You know, you would have liked two. You played well enough for two, but against a good team, you'll take it. Uh, you came out and f- flexed against B- Buffalo. You know, put two what, two goals in 17 seconds in the first period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, scored two more in the in the second and kind of put it away. But But you really like the way their game is kind of – coming together they got 10 games left now magic number for the to make the playoffs is two so any two points by the lightning or two points dropped by the islanders and both teams play tuesday night so by tuesday night the lightning could be guaranteed a playoff spot um you like the That's way good. they're playing and with ryan mcdonough back on two, oh. on sunday night everything on the defense just it, it changed it, you don't feel shaky anymore. You just it, everyone slots back to their their where they should be on the defense. Yep. And he just he's their best defender at controlling the blue line, mm-hmm. standing up at the blue line. Mm-hmm. And he just calms things down on the back end. That's the word. The word I was going to use was calm. He brought calm to their game. 
they've been having trouble. Look, they've turned it over so much. They've been having trouble getting it out of their own zone, mm-hmm. you know, and just his ability to clear the puck and to make the right pass and, 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 and like you said, stand them up at the, at, at their blue line. Um, he was, he was phenomenal without any wasted energy. Like you watch him play when they're all whole like that and he, you know, you get your lines back together and it's just a different, it's a totally different feel. Of course, Elliot had some great saves as well. Um, but I thought, you know, they look like the lightning pretty much as we remember them the last two games. And, and this is the, look, they got to do it. They got 10 games left. I thought it was interesting. Like maybe Cooper was just, I don't know, doing some fast math in his head. Um, but he was talking about Elliot and how well he's played. And he goes, well, we got like what, 10 games left. So maybe, I don't know. Um, Vasilevsky gets six and Elliot gets four. That would surprise me a little bit. Well, they said they want Elliot to get at least a game a week going down. So essentially three weeks left. That's three. Yeah, that's true. You're ending on a back to back. So you figure Vazzy gets one. Elliot gets the other of that. Yeah. But so I mean it's really I mean one more game maybe than you would thought of. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe gets Saturday against Winnipeg. Maybe gets oh actually got two back to backs. You got the Nashville Florida back to back at the end of next week, and then you end in Columbus Islanders. So there's at least two. You get the Winnipeg game and maybe gets another game in there. I mean yeah. you know once you clinch the playoffs, the, the Lightning aren't concerned of where they finish in the standings and who they play. And as well as Ellie's been playing lately, why not? rest Vazzy a little more well I I would and here's the thing and I don't know if this will be the case I I suppose it would be when you get into the postseason Vazzy's never taken a game off in the postseason and probably wouldn't unless he were injured I suppose no yeah but he'll start every game in the postseason no question right so he has and and you know you're you're hoping to win 16 you know you're hoping to win a Stanley Cup which is a lot of games it's not how many he would play but how many he'd have to win so that is a long grueling grind um, to play that many games, sometimes back to back, but um, so you got to get him some kind of rest going into it. And he looks—he looked like a tired goaltender to me, uh, you know, in, in part because guys like McDonough were out and they weren't protecting him very much, and mm-hmm. he was facing a lot of shots, and, and and maybe he wasn't as sharp, but he just looks tired, uh, you know. And so this is the perfect time, uh, the way Elliot's playing, especially to go ahead and get him as much rest as you can, so that he's mm-hmm. fresh. Nothing but fresh because he's going to, like all those players and all great players, he's going to find his another gear when he gets to the postseason, as he always does. Just look at mm-hmm. his record in elimination games and how many shutouts he's had in a row. Um, so you don't, you know, Vassie's like if you have 99 problems, Vassie ain't one of them, right? Well, that's the whole thing about the playoffs and, and two things with that. One, last year I think Vassie rested three of the last six games or something. Uh, he didn't even make the trip to Detroit late in the season. They had a back-to-back, um, like New York, Detroit, or whatever. Or no, they may have played back-to-back games in Detroit because they kept they were, them home. Yeah, I remember they, that. Yeah, they didn't even travel them. Um, yeah, because but last year you had the third goalie and you had COVID stuff and expanded rosters and that. Sure, they don't, they sure. don't have that ability this year to just not dress Vasilevsky for a game. Yeah, based on the salary cap. But you look at the the Eastern Conference and. There's, you know, we already know the eight teams. I mean, the Islanders technically are still alive, and there's, well, I think, four of the playoff teams haven't clinched yet, but they're all within a couple points of clinching. I mean, the Islanders are 15 points behind the Capitals with 11 games to play. They're not making that up, and the Capitals are playing well now. But go through the Easter, go through the playoff teams. Tell me which ones don't have questions in goal. 
There's one. The Lightning. Really? I know a Sergei, lot of teams. Sergey Bobrovsky are... of the Panthers. He has won one playoff series in his career. Oh, yeah. That was against the Lightning in 2019. When Columbus, he went, went 4-0, yeah. You know. Toronto, they've got goalies. Boston's got two goalies. They have two, yeah. Um, Carolina, is Frederick Anderson ready to to, go, to win four series? I mean, he's played pretty well. I, I, I don't know. He's played well, but the playoffs are a different animal, and he yes. hasn't done well in the playoffs. What about Florida? But that's Bobrovsky. Well, that's Bobrovsky. Um, okay. Shesterkin, really good young goalie. Going to win the Vesna. We're going to win it, but we haven't seen him in the playoffs yet. So it's not to say not he unproven. won't be good, but, but unproven. Yeah. Tristan Jari's got question marks at Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every team in the Eastern Conference. It's a good point. Has questions. Not to say their goalies aren't good. Doesn't yeah. mean that their goalies aren't going to perform ex- extremely well in this playoffs. But the only one you can sit there in the Eastern Conference and go. They got no questions. There's no question Andre Vasilevsky is going to get every minute of every playoff game the Lightning plays as long as he's healthy. Mm. Not a question. Brian Elliott ain't playing in the playoffs unless something happens. I mean, they're the only team in the Eastern Conference, and there's a lot of good teams, and there's teams with better records than Lightning. They're the only ones that have zero questions in goal, which is the most important position on your team. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, and – you know the playoffs do funny things to to people, and and he's mm-hmm. proven. So he, the it's kind of like the quarterback when we go into the postseason. You go, what's your confidence level, coach, quarterback? And that's usually how I mm-hmm. kind of figure out who I like in the playoff game. It's kind of like that with goaltenders. What's your confidence level? Mm-hmm. You know who has a higher confidence level than John Cooper and Vasilevsky? I mean, you can pair them up with any coach goaltender in in mm-hmm. the NHL, and you're going to come up with that same equation. So well, in the last two years in the playoffs. And granted, every playoff year is different. They'd never lost back-to-back games. <laughs> After a loss, you know what you're going to get in Vasilevsky. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, you know, the last two, granted, every playoff year is different. And I think the Eastern Conference is stronger this year than it's been. It I is. Mean, it's, it's, I think it's so top-heavy. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, you know, five or six of these teams legitimately. I don't think Washington can win. The, I don't think they can string four series together to win a cup. Um. You keep wanting to say Pittsburgh can't, but man, they just keep. I mean, Sidney Crosby is just un- unreal. But the Rangers, I still worry about Shesterk. And I, I mean, like I said, the only team that doesn't have a question mark and goal is the Lightning, and that gives you a huge advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, because you don't. Your team isn't sitting there. You know, if any one of those other goalies lets in an early goal that's soft, what's going through the team's mind? The coach's mind. Can't handle the pressure. You know, I, you know we kind of saw that with Nadelkovic with Carolina last year mm-hmm. in the playoff series. And Florida went through three goalies in that first series against the Lightning. They did. They did. Last year. I mean, you know, I mean, Vasilevsky, if he lets in a soft early goal, not one person's questioning it. Right. He's not, nobody's looking over his shoulder. The coaches aren't sitting there going, oh, do we got a problem? I mean, it's Vasilevsky's show, period. Mm-hmm. Every other team, you get a, you get a soft early goal. And who knows what's going through their mind? I, you know, and that's an advantage the Lightning have in the playoffs. No, and that, and that's you know the experience in having won two Stanley Cups and having you know played five overtime games and you know all the things that he's you know when you put that much on the wall and you're still a young you know player who's well outward appearances healthy and all that. Um, their experience at this time of year means everything. I know some people mm-hmm. go, well, this team has playoff experience and this team doesn't, and then the team that doesn't 
winds up winning because they're just more talented. But we know that this Lightning mm-hmm. team has talent. It's more about they play the whole season. It's a zero-sum game for these guys. They're trying to make history, right? They're trying to re- uh, three-peat, mm-hmm. which hasn't been done in forever. It used 83. To be done. 1983 was the Think last about time. that. And the My Islanders God. had won four in a row. That's just incredible. And, you know, prior to that, there weren't as many teams. So, you know, Montreal seemed like they won three in a row all the time and the Oilers and all that. But, yeah, to, to try to make history, like, what does the regular season really mean if not just a tune-up and really a, a survival of attrition mm-hmm. to get to the postseason so they can do their work? I mean, this is, this is how you don't, you know, you can set yourself in a position to make the playoffs and to maybe have a better seed or some home ice against certain teams during the regular season, but you're not going to win a Stanley Cup there. They proved that. They, they had the best record in, in hockey, the most points, and they lost four games to Columbus. And ever since then, it's only been about the postseason, and they've won two Stanley Cups, and now they're going for their third. So this team knows what they, where they have to be. And what's been interesting during these struggles, and they did struggle, um, has been sort of, you know, and, it, and it's cliche, and they talk, well, it's the process. We've got to get back to the process over results. But they know what that process is, and it leads to the results and when they play the right way with this group of, of guys that are still predominantly together, they did lose a third line. I love, love some of the guys they picked up down the stretch. They're all paying off now. Um, and the more they play together, the better they're going to be, Paul and, um, you know, and all of that. But I, but I do think that experience, when you've been there and you know what it – so they know what they're supposed to be playing like. They know what that system is. They know – what that process is. And if they stick to it, they know they're going to win hockey games. And, and they've got 10 games now. They've played two of these in a row that I thought uh, looked like the Lightning. And they've got 10 more to go. Uh, and if they can stay on that track where they, they find their game, uh, they're going to be okay. Because, like you said, a lot of these guys, when they get the postseason, they're, they're largely unproven. And you don't know what's going to happen in a seven-game series. But now, anyway, the, felt, the felt one good. question I do have about the Lightning, it's not really a question, but you've got some teams in the East that are going to be hungry. Very, you know? yeah. Um, and does the Lightning's desire to win three in a row sure. match that sure. hunger? I mean, Great think point. back to Washington back in 2018. Oh, yeah, Ovechkin was desperate for a Stanley well, Cup. Well, and yeah. they get knocked out by Pittsburgh over and over and over, and they finally got over that hurdle, and they were not going to be denied. Nope. I think the Lightning in 20, in the bubble. Yep. I think they were so ticked off over 19. Over Columbus, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that pause, may, maybe some teams didn't care to be there as much or want to be, but the Lightning were like, we're winning. They embraced it, yep. They, you know, they were hungry for it. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. nobody going to stop them. You know, is, is a team like Carolina, who's been really good but can't get out of the second round of the playoffs. Right. Or Florida, who you know, continues not to be able to, you know, haven't won a playoff series in a long time. Toronto, who hasn't won a playoff series since, what, 2004 or six or something. Um, you know, what are the hunger level of those teams? You know, Washington and Pittsburgh haven't won a playoff series since 18, I think. You know, with Ovechkin and Crosby. Since Washington won the Cup, neither of those teams have won a playoff series. Mm. You know, is Sidney Crosby or Alex Ovechkin going to care? You know, and so – it's that will you talk about. And I think every team's got it in the playoffs, but sometimes a team just has it more than others. Has more, yeah. Is that desire to be, as, as Dave Mishkin has said many times, generational for the Lightning? 
I mean, mm-hmm. it's been since 1983 since a team has won three in a row. Well before the salary cap. Wow. Well before the the way the game's played. I mean, it was the Islanders who won four in a row at that point. Right. The, the Lightning know what's ahead of them. Is that drive enough to push them through? Because you're going to – I mean, like I said, the Eastern Conference is loaded. The top half of the Eastern Conference, it's going to be an incredible – I mean, Colorado or Calgary are the favorites, two in the West. And, you know, they're the best two teams in the West. Their road to the, the final is going to be a lot easier than the Eastern Conference. Well, there's, I mean, there's arguably teams in the West, but but arguably there's pro- okay. It, there's probably what five teams that could win the East, right? I mean the overall seed, or yeah, or well, in not the, playoffs. the seeding, yeah. but like I if mean, I said to you, if I said to you, I'm going to give you, could any of these teams? Is there a good chance that any of these teams could win? The Rangers, the Hurricane, the Panthers, the Lightning. Who am I missing? Toronto, uh, Boston, Boston, Toronto. Yeah. I mean I, they. Any none of those would surprise you necessarily. They all have a good, a good to to, to very good mm-hmm. chance to win the East. You can't say that in the West. How many teams you get? Three, two, three. I mean, I would you... say Colorado. I'd say Calgary. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, the Kings have been such a surprise this year. Vegas is. They're always they kind of in the playoffs around. at this point. Vegas I is I, the Western changes. Yeah, Vegas isn't even in the playoffs at this point. I mean, that would have been the other team at the beginning of the year. You would have said. I really sure. like the Wild. Minnesota's um, coming on, yeah. I, I think they're probably the third best team. Um, St. Louis is up there. Edmonton mm-hmm. finally started, although I, I still don't think Edmonton's got enough in the goal to win four series. Right. Um, LA's My point is, it, it yeah. seems wide open in the East, whereas mm-hmm. in the West, there, if I gave if I gave you two within three teams, you could probably name the Western Conference champion. I think it's Colorado, Calgary, or Minnesota. Yeah, I think yeah. It's one of those three will be the ones that represent the Western right. Conference. The Eastern right. Conference, I would say. Florida, Tampa Bay, Carolina, Rangers, Toronto. I don't. I don't know if the Rangers. You're not can a win Rangers guy. I, I, really? I, they're really good. I think they're a year or two early. Man, they look good against the Lightning. They do. They do. <laughs> Everybody and, and, does, but I don't know. Strong I, goaltender, inexperienced, yeah. young. But Bassey was young at one point too. I mean, so. I, I question Boston with goaltending too. I mean, I, you know, yeah. I mean, they got that top line. And Grant, they've broken up the line now, which mm-hmm. has really helped them because they've got they finally got some pieces and some second line scoring there. But I still don't know if they've got enough mm. to win four series. I mean, to win a playoff series or two, but to win four series is tough. Three to get out of the East, I guess. Sixteen games, baby. Yeah, you yeah. got to win twelve to get out of the East and into the final. Mm-hmm. So it's it's going to be a fun playoffs. It's going to start yeah. uh, three weeks from tonight. It's the playoffs, so it's incredible. Um, we could do this, or we could hold it. I, I wrote a story in the Tampa Bay Times. Maybe we'll talk about it tomorrow a little bit um, on Todd Bowles and why he is maybe an even better coach or a better fit—not a better coach, but a better fit for Tom Brady than Bruce Arians was. It might surprise you, and it's about Bowles' history and Brady's history. So let's. Let's kind of hang on to that one tomorrow. Um, you can check it out in the Tampa Bay Times on TampaBay.com, and we'll discuss it, uh, I think, on sometime on tomorrow's show. Uh, just wrapping up the weekend, the Masters, Scotty Scheffler, pick up your I am dominating golf. If you don't know me, I'm the number one player in the world. And he had such, <laughs> such a big lead coming down. You know, usually they say, well, the Masters begins in the, the back nine on Sunday. Mm, not so much because he had such a big lead that he was able to four-putt on the 18th green 
and still win by like three. Um, he lapped the field. It was, uh, uh, you know, the weekend, even though it was painful, uh, not just to watch, but to see Tiger Woods be in pain um, coming down the stretch on Saturday and especially on Sunday, the, the Masters still belonged to Tiger Woods because the more you watch this guy and you're thinking, man, 14 months ago, he literally didn't know if he's going to lose his leg or his life after that car accident and to see him out there competing. But then you were reminded that, you know, golf is, is not a game. You can walk the rolling hills of Augusta on one leg. Uh, and he managed to gut it out and he, he made it to the finish line. The ovation he got on 18 moved him. Uh, and it was hard to watch without, you know, thinking of just how this guy, what he has meant to the game and, and just, just in a surreal sort of moment to, to see him back at Augusta. It, for me, it, it put a lot more interest in the Masters, especially it held my interest until at least Saturday when he shot a 78 um, and was pretty much out of it. Um, but that, you know, he's taken a lot of walks uh, on Sunday with that red shirt up onto the 18th. And it was, that was an emotional one, as emotional almost as when he won it a couple of years ago. Uh, and of course, he had no chance at all. He wasn't in contention. The only thing better would have been if he found his way back into contention. And the thing is, he intended to. He had every intention of doing that, even after Saturday or you know Saturday's round, no Friday's round. Uh, he was, you know, still he was plus almost, one. He was plus almost one. in almost in red numbers, you know. And he he probably still felt that if he went out there, shot a good number, uh, the wind was going to be is going to be colder, it's going to be windy. Um, he might pick up you know five or six strokes. Scheffler wasn't letting anybody catch him. He shot another terrific round, and he, he was pretty consistent throughout the entire tournament. That's why he won by so much. But um, I will. I will. I got to hand it to Tiger, man. That guy, he totally gutted it out, and now he says he's going to play in the British Open. And I, I would wager he's not going to play another tournament until he gets there. Um, and it may take him that long to recover, uh, but he does something every day, and and it had to be tough as as the tournament wore on. He certainly seemed to wear down, but um, man, what an effort! And and how good it was to see him uh, back at the Masters. Yeah, I was, it's funny. I was trying to think back, I mean, with uh, Shebler winning that in dominating fashion, the last time I remember a dominating Masters performance. And I, the only one I could think have of been was Tiger. Tiger. Yeah. The one might here, have he been. just he lapped the field. I mean, it's, it's probably been 20 years ago now or close to. But Yeah. I remember yeah, and that one that was, you know, wasn't even close. The guy that was second turned out he did it all in one round. It was Roy McIlroy. He shot a course record. The guy shot 64. He was like seven under. Um yeah, Cam you know, Smith, what he uh, triple bogeyed number twelve and it cut his payday in half. Uh, that that yeah, that hurt. Twelve, you could stay, you could stay a long time on that twelfth hole. Yes, it's just, yes, it's brutal, man. You can you can have a snowman on there, no problem. I can't imagine playing one of those holes and what I what my score would be. But um, Smith had been playing really really well. I thought he was the only one that could run him down. Uh, Rory, had he not waited until the last day, might have had a better look at it, but. Uh, yeah, it was it, it, like I said. It was so funny. He was up by so so much that he, he missed a couple of three footers on eighteen, and uh, triple bogeyed, I think, or double bogeyed the final hole of the of the tournament, and still he gets the green jacket. So that was a that was a great finish. So we got a lot to talk about. The Bucks begin their off season workout program. They do that starting, uh, I believe, Tuesday. I think that's right. Yes, Tuesday. We will have access. Uh, to some players and maybe a coach or two. We'll see 
uh, but we'll be over there at uh, the Advent Health Training Facility and be able to talk to the Bucks. They've still got, you know, Gronk's been on some some night late night shows talking about how he hasn't decided and uh, his girlfriend wants him to play and he did Nickelodeon. He's kind of all over the place, um, but he doesn't want to talk contract until he makes a decision about whether to play or not. Me personally, I it's interesting to me that he hasn't made that decision. I guess if he's going to play, he has said it's only going to be here in Tampa. I don't know. That's a slam dunk that he does, though. I, I he's left Brady before he could leave him again. But in any case, there's no reason to really decide anything like that until you get past the OTAs and maybe even past the mandatory minicamp. He could sign as late as the start of training camp, and still, you know, they'd be happy to have him. Uh, we'll see what they do in the draft to address the tight end position. They got to do that anyway. Uh, but obviously, Tom wants him back, and usually Tom gets what Tom wants. So you're kind of counting on that. Um, other than that, it was, uh, you know, it was a good weekend. Enjoyed uh, kind of watching a lot of sports and kicking back a little bit, working on some some buck stories. we got the draft coming up, and, oh, geez, I mean, the end of the month, it's, it's almost here. We're only a couple weeks away from that. So that's always a good time. And then there'll be a, a week or so off, and we'll have the mini camp and roll on into OTAs. But, yeah, the Bucks, uh organizing now for the the 2022 season, their first day back. And it's, you know, mostly physical stuff, uh, you know, conditioning for the most part. I think phase one is mostly conditioning and some meetings, and uh, it'll be a while for that out on the field. A question for you. Mm-hmm. Todd Bowles is a new coach. Yes. Does he get the extra? Would have, yes. Um, he but would have qualified for that. However. It was too late? Uh, the Bucks had given all coaches uh, the weeks off. Okay. And so it happened so late. And, and to be honest – you know, that's a perk mm-hmm. that sort of was put in there because new coaches have new systems. And, mm-hmm. you know, could the Bucks have used it? Mm, I mean, a lot of coaches think you can't coach enough, right? You get more time you spend with your players, the better. But for the most part, this team has been together. The, the staff has continuity all the way through it and going into its fourth year now. There's no, there's nothing they need to install. I mean, surely Bowles will have some spins on some things and um, how he wants to run stuff and call plays and stuff. Um, but yeah, it was from my understanding, it was merely that they had already given the coaches the week off mm-hmm. and they were going to call them back and or players. Well, I'm sure Tom um, Brady's already conducting his own OTAs or, you know, organized. Well, maybe offensive Mac, meetings. I don't know. He might have to, I mean, if he's trying to get Berkeley prep time, he might have to run off Mac Jones. You see that Mac Jones and the Patriots working out at Berkeley prep. Yeah. Yeah. Probably set up by Nelson Aguilar taking a page out of Brady circa 2020. When I went out there and made my way through the bushes and spotted the white rhino before anybody else did, other than the helicopters flying overhead a few days later. When will Channel 13 um, find it and put it on <laughs> video? Well, they had the first videotape from a helicopter. I'll grant, I'll grant you that. But um, I don't think they captured Mac Jones and the Patriots right out here at, at uh, Well, to give him a couple weeks. Yeah. But that would be a thing, right? If, if, if Mac Jones and the Patriots go on to win a Super Bowl, you can bet they, they will – the dance card will be full. Berkeley can charge almost anything uh, for their facility uh, the spring after that because teams will be trying to dive in there and see where the magic sauce is. But it's like Field of Dreams all of a sudden. But I thought that was interesting. Mac following in the in the footsteps of Brady and it's mostly Nelson that probably set it up and they got their guys to Florida. Sad thing. Speaking of of guys coming to Florida uh, and playing, uh, just horrible. Dwayne Haskins. Um, former Ohio State quarterback, of course, first-round pick of the Washington football team, and then on to Pittsburgh, was down 
um, essentially for a passing camp uh, with Mitch Trubisky and others for the Pittsburgh Steelers and was you know just tragically hit by a dump truck um, walking, I believe, or, or as a pedestrian on uh, that. If you've ever been to South Florida, the Fort Lauderdale Airport, there's this little uh, junct- junction there, that uh, I-595, that kind of rolls into the Fort Lauderdale International Airport. Anyway, um, struck and killed. Um, I believe that was Saturday morning sometime. And uh, when news broke, boy, it was just... T- it's one of those where it takes the wind out of you. Like He was going to be 25 years old uh, early next month. So he's 24. He came out of, came out of Ohio State uh, pretty early and um, had that one, what, 50-touchdown season or something like that for the Buckeyes. Just by all accounts, I don't, I'd never met Dwayne Haskins, but by all accounts he was uh, you know, just a, a warm human being, um, always smiling, great attitude, everybody loved him uh, sort of thing. And, of course, like I said, it's, it's anytime somebody that young uh, you know, dies, much less – on a highway somewhere in South Florida. It's just tragic. There was a, listen, there was a lot of pushback. I know Adam Schefter, uh, his initial tweet announcing this, uh, this tragedy mentioned to some, ex- I'm not quoting him exactly, but mentioned something like how he had, you know, to this point been a disappointment in his career. People jumped on that. Gil Brandt had some terrible things that he tr- wished he could take back on NFL radio uh, about Haskins leaving Ohio state early and how he lived his life. Um, just no place for that. You know, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, it's just careless really. And the bottom line is his family, uh, his football family, uh, anyone who know, knew him or, or really just in general, you hear something like that and it just, it's just so tragic and it takes your breath away. But, um, that was, you know, that was another, it was another quarterback who, who was joining, you know, somebody that is the presumed starter, uh, to have a passing camp, that's the kind of team guy he was. He went down there and with running backs and wide receivers, and they were going to meet and throw and, and, and spend some time with each other, as, as good teams do. So, um, yeah, just a terrible story. I'm sure we're going to learn more details as weeks go on, um, but unimaginable that something like that would happen. So on that happy note, uh, it was a good weekend. Your your son scored a great goal in soccer. My daughter had a uh, had a role in a in a play at Bob Martinez Middle School, Mary Poppins Junior. She was Jane Banks. She killed it. So you know, proud Papa moments over the weekend too. Absolutely, Could love those. Of those. Yeah, that's what we live for. So anyway, um, enjoy your uh, enjoy your Monday. We'll be back uh, throughout the week. We're gonna have our mailbag segment. Might do a couple of them actually. We got a bunch of mail mailbag stuff, but. Uh, in conjunction with our, our uh, other other news of the day. So if you want, you can get those questions in. Send them to us at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud. My email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. For Steve Burstick, I am Eric Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.